Hey everyone, Bryant here. Thanks for tuning in. This is a special bonus episode. I wanted to take this chance to say thank you for listening. It's been really fun starting this project with Eric. We've just gotten complete support from so many different people. We made a top 10 list of just dream guests that we'd love to have on the show. And so far, everyone we've talked to has said yes. And so I just want to say thank you to anyone who's been on the show, anyone who's agreed to be on the show. We're humbled and it's just awesome uh, to see what God's doing with this and, and how it's been moving along. And we're excited to see where it goes. Today, though, we don't have a guest and Eric's not joining me. It's just me. And I'm going to be sharing my story of turkey season. Quite a long write-up that I wrote here, but hopefully anyone who loves hunting, loves hunting in Oregon, loves turkey hunting, will enjoy listening to this super long write-up of a first-time turkey hunter who happened to find success in the turkey woods this year. Don't forget to join our Facebook group. That's kind of where we've been having the real-life community, not just the listening to the podcast community. So if you want to get involved with what we're doing and go fishing with us, go hunting with us, then go ahead and join that Facebook group, Salem First Hunting and Fishing Club. Let's get to it. Once again, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I didn't hunt when I was growing up. I always wanted to, but coming from a non-hunting family meant that my hunting endeavors were limited to shooting starlings on my family's hobby farm in rural Yamhill County. I sure fished a lot, almost every day, and certainly every week. I would ride my bike to the nearby Yamhill River and catch smallmouth bass. I was always jealous of my peers from hunting families who would get to go on eastern Oregon hunt camps and come back to school with stories of chasing elk and deer around the high desert. As soon as I was old enough to hunt without an accompanying adult, 18 years of age, I bought my tags and headed for the coastal mountains which stood just outside of my hometown. That year, I killed my first deer, only 15 minutes away from my house in the industrial timberlands of western Oregon. Love of the mountains and the outdoors was always a strong part of my identity, but hunting down deer in the rain unleashed a whole different passion that would grip me for years to come. There are a few things that all new hunters feel the need to do, almost like it is pre-programmed into them. First, they go and buy the most expensive rifle and scope they can afford, usually something that far outpaces their marksmanship skills. Then they put in for a bunch of Eastern Oregon tags in areas hours away from their houses that they will likely not have any time to scout. And finally, they buy the sports pack, a tag deal the state of Oregon offers to buy all your hunting and fishing tags and licenses in one purchase. Well, I was too poor to afford a new rifle, so my 1972 .30-06 had to do. And I was not smart enough to realize that hunting in the wet western Oregon brush is much harder than hunting in the wide open eastern units, so putting in for tags never crossed my mind. But I did have that new hunter ambition, which pushed me to spend nearly $200 on the sports pack and receive a bear tag, a deer tag, an elk tag, Salmon and steelhead tags, combination, hunting and fishing license, parking permit, upland waterfowl validation, and finally, my spring turkey tag. A few years later, I realized my folly, that I didn't even hunt for most of those animals in my young career as a self-taught hunter. I stopped buying the sports pack. Three turkey tags wasted without even a thought. In my defense, after many miles of tromping through the woods, I never even saw a single turkey feather, let alone the bird they belonged to. That is until this year, 
2023, almost a decade after I made my first trip out to the woods with a rifle in my hand. My hunting pursuits now include deer, bear, cougar, elk, enough to justify purchasing the sports pack, but I wasn't about to let that little spring bonus go to waste this time. A new pursuit had piqued my interest, and I was determined to go kill a gobbler. My turkey season was very short, and I somehow managed to make it happen on public land, not too far from my home in Salem, Oregon, in only two attempts. But in those two hunts, I learned two important lessons. One, know your area, make sure you're in the right unit, and two, don't get greedy. I hope that the story of a public land's first-time turkey hunter will be entertaining and beneficial as you see what I did right and what I did wrong. In the months leading up to turkey season, I began my late-night obsessive turkey research. Thankfully, unlike Blacktail, there's an unlimited amount of videos and podcasts about turkey hunting. Although they're mostly focused on the southern states, I found that turkey behavior is a lot more universal than deer. Between many podcasts by turkey hunting pros and videos of turkeys coming into blinds from farmers' fields, I started to search the area around me for public land forests that bordered up against private fields and pastures. The other thing I was looking for is lower elevation areas that I thought turkeys would have a higher chance of survival. There's a good number of spots that fit this criteria, so I made up a list of five turkey hunts to attempt in five different spots. This is where I learned lesson number one. Know what unit you are in. Where I grew up, if you head west, you would only ever hit one unit, the Trask unit. It's quite a large area that contains multiple communities. I grew quite used to picking a road, driving into the hills, and knowing that no matter where I went, I would remain in my trusty Trask unit and be safe to hunt. Living in Salem now, things are quite a bit different. If you head west on Highway 22, you're actually skirting two different hunting units, and not too far of a drive, you actually hit a junction of three different hunting units. For turkey hunting, this isn't too big of a deal, but two weeks before turkey season starts, spring bear opens, and I drew a northwest area bear tag. I made a big assumption that some of my slightly south-lying hunting spots were in the Trask unit, when in reality, they were just south of the northwest area bear unit. My plan was to bear hunt and turkey scout at the same time. So I woke up early in the morning, got to my spot before sunrise, praying the whole time I'd glass up a bear hanging out in a cut. This just goes to show that sometimes we do not know what we're praying for. Because if God would have answered my prayers and allowed me to get a shot on a bear that day, I would have been in big trouble. Unfortunately, this realization didn't come to me until six hours into my hunt when I was just about to head home. I looked up at my map and my heart sank when I realized I had traveled a ways out of my hunting unit and would have had a hard time explaining why I was out there with the rifle, if asked. Even if you're really familiar with the general area, check those unit boundaries twice and make sure you know for sure that you're in the right place. But that hunt was an all for nothing. Because there, on the edge of a large, grassy, clear-cut, I found something that I just could not believe was really there. A lone turkey, walking on the road only about 50 yards ahead of me. She wasn't startled by me, so I had some time to take a photo through my binoculars, but that really set in stone where I was going to be once turkey season opened up. Additionally, those logging roads out there were littered with turkey sign. I marked about 20 areas with scat on my map and just kept finding more and more. Then I knew this was a place to try and get a bird. The next thing I knew, I was at Cabela's, buying a box call, some number 4 turkey loads, and a $12 decoy. Early spring in the mountains can come with some unpredictable weather, and I was only at about 800 feet elevation, so that's small hills for us westerners. But when I went back to the spot with my 12 gauge and a styrofoam decoy, there were 2 inches of snow on the ground and it was falling hard. I had no idea what to do next. 
It was about three miles around on some logging roads to get to the area where I saw the hen. So I hopped on my mountain bike, slipped up the hill and around the edge of some big canyons, making a big loop back around into the clearing where I found the hen. All the sign I had been looking for was now under three inches of snow. After setting up next to a big stump and calling intermittently for about an hour, I just could not sit in the cold any longer. Precipitation was still falling, but it was now turning into slush and freezing rain. I was soaked and so cold that I just decided to walk around and look for tracks in the remaining snow. At the end of the day, I ended up walking for 10 miles and found no turkeys or fresh sign. So the first turkey hunt of my life down, one to go. It would be another week before I had a day off to go and try to find turkeys again. And it was a completely different experience. Instead of 30 degrees and snowing, it was crystal clear and a hot, dry day. I started out before daylight, but decided to cut through the woods on foot instead of riding the roads around. Following game trails through the woods, I eventually found myself tucked on the edge of a rolling pasture with my crummy decoy out and box call in hand. I sat for 30 minutes. By this point, it was fully light out, and I took note of a large group of geese that flew in behind one of the rises in the pasture and landed. There must have been a pond just out of sight. Those geese started making a huge racket, and to my surprise, I heard a gobble shout out to those honkers. They started going back and forth. The geese would go off, and the turkeys would gobble. This didn't last long, though. Far away, on the other side of the private property, is a house. The homeowner must not have enjoyed the racket, because I suddenly heard five rapid shots from a handgun. The geese flew off, and the turkeys shut up for the rest of the morning. What can I say? That's what I get for trying to call a bird in off of private property. To spare the details, I tried several other sets and walked several miles without seeing so much as a pregnant doe. And it was about 1 p.m. and it was hot, 85 degrees. Now in most other hunting I'm used to, 50 degrees is hot, so this was a stretch. I decided to call it and try one more little spot on my way back home. This particular area is a large area of open timberlands that meet up with pastures. Mountain bikers and hikers frequently hang out there, so I planned to climb deep into the brush and get close to the pastures. Two young girls pulled up at the trailhead at the same time as me, and they were a little quicker to begin their trek, so I was awkwardly walking behind them at a slightly quicker pace. I was catching up slowly, and they kept nervously glancing back at me as I got closer and closer, shotgun in hand. So, uh, to save some awkwardness, I decided to dive in early and slip into the blackberry hedge, straight for the pasture. Crawling on my hands and knees under the brush, I eventually reached the edge and found an area I could sit back about 20 yards onto the public side and try to call some birds out of the field. So that's where I learned lesson number two. Don't get greedy. I should not have hunted that close to this particular pasture. It was now 2 p.m. and I was hot, sweaty, and tired. Almost falling asleep, I told myself I'd call every five minutes until 2.30, then head home. There were so many things wrong with this setup. It was hot. It was the middle of the day. I didn't even really hide myself, and my decoy looked like this scarecrow version of a turkey. I realized all this, and was getting bored of sitting in the heat without hearing any birds. So by 2.15, I began messing with the box call, not even really paying attention. I figured out how to make it purr, and, and I was just scratching around when all of a sudden I heard a gobble echo through the woods from the pasture, and I could not believe my ears. After a whole day of hearing nothing but ravens, my heart started pounding. I tried to tuck myself up into the tree as tight as I could, and I got my gun ready. So here's what I did right. I set up so that there was a slight rise between me and the field, so that they could not see where I was coming from until they were in range. The fence boundary was trampled down, 
so there was nothing to prevent the birds from walking right over to me, and the property boundary was at the top of the mound, so as soon as I could see a turkey coming in, he would be within range and legal to shoot. They say when you get a bird to gobble, to just stop calling and let it come in, but I just could not help myself. This turkey was talking and coming in fast. When I heard a gobble just out of view, I set down the call and picked up my gun. He strutted into view on the top of the hill, but as soon as he saw my messed up zombie hen decoy, he froze. Even though I didn't move a muscle, and I was completely camoed up, he turned and looked right at me. I had my gun pointed at him, and all that I could see was head and chest. He had a visible beard, definitely a good tom. I was afraid that if both my eyes were open, he recognized the symmetry of my face and bolt, so I only had one eye open. But this became a problem when I began to hyperventilate, and I felt like my breathing was causing my whole body to tremble. I went blind. Because I was so fixated on him not moving my one open eye, I lost my sight and had to open both my eyes and blink hard to see. When I could see again, that turkey was already gone. But I didn't give up, and I called again to try to bring him back over. That's when I heard more birds gobbling even further away across the pasture. It was a whole group of gobblers, gobbling over each other every time I called. They would gobble and gobble, but they were not coming in. It actually took me about 30 minutes of calling and purring and clucking before these birds finally made an appearance. It was a group of jakes. The first head pokes over the hill, and then another, and then another, until there are eight eyes cautiously eyeing my decoy and scanning everywhere. Unfortunately, they came over faster than I expected, and my gun was down. But two of the four were already across the property line. They did not like my decoy, and as soon as they got close, they made some nervous putts and stuck their heads way up in the air, frozen. One of them spotted me reaching for my gun and putted again. I had to act quick, so I just quickly pulled my gun up and shot the closest bird. He dropped and flopped. I ran over to grab him. It was a perfect headshot, not a single shot in the breast. I measured out the distance, 30 yards on the dot. I began celebrating and thanking God. I was so excited. I was running around, throwing my hands in the air. If, I, if anyone was with me, I certainly would have been hooting and hollering. But then it all stopped when I hear someone yell, Who's shooting down there? Turns out there were horses in that pasture that I shot next to, and the landowner was not happy that I fired a gun that close to her property. I didn't even realize anyone was out there. But after I explained that I was on the right side of the fence, they understood, but reasonably requested, I not shoot that close to their property again, saying, I don't even let my husband hunt here. So that's lesson number two. Don't get greedy. Even though you can hunt somewhere, doesn't mean you should. I was able to talk down that situation just by being polite and explaining that what I was doing was legal and that turkey season still had a whole nother month to go. But next year, I'm going to make sure to stay quite a bit further away from horse pastures and hobby farms. Even though it was an unfortunate encounter with a landowner, I was polite, they calmed down quickly, and I was apologetic. In the end, my memory of shooting my first turkey is not tarnished. I called in five birds that day on my second turkey hunt ever. That turkey was delicious brined and smoked to 150 degrees, nice and tender white breast. The fan now resides in our podcasting studio, and it really completes the place. Hopefully, my story was at least entertaining, but maybe even helpful for those who are just starting out. So good luck in the turkey woods, and believe it or not, they are out there.